Have you ever asked yourself, can I really do this? Have you ever been in a situation where you look at it and you go, I'm just not sure if I'm good enough for this. Am I, am I, am I good enough? Or does self-doubt check in? Or maybe you ask the question, am I cool enough? Or am I dressed well enough for this situation? Or am I good enough to be part of this team? Am I enough? I believe that every single one of us has at some time wrestled with the question, am I good enough for this? Some of us, if we're honest, even wallow in a sea of not good enoughs. A sea of not enoughs. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Maybe you've felt some of these. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not patient enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not organised enough. But today, there's one question that I have for you. In those quiet moments, in those honest moments, when you're on your own, have you ever wondered if you're good enough or if you're worthy enough to be loved and accepted by God? Now, we've been studying the life of Peter over the last couple of weeks, and I'm reminded of the different moments in life of this friend of Jesus, this disciple of Jesus, Peter. Remember him? He's the guy who got out of the boat and walked on water. In Matthew chapter 16, we read another part of Peter's nature. If you've got your Bibles with you, open up Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13. I want to read, I want to spend some time looking at the life of Peter with the whole context of the not enoughs. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from, your own, from any human being. Verse 18 says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. (laughs) Wow. Did you capture what just happened? Jesus asks, who am I? And the disciples spoke about who some say or who they thought Jesus could be. And they, they mentioned some amazing people, some mighty men of God. And it would have been an honour for all of us if we were described in that way. But Peter knew more. He, he knew more. He said, you're the Messiah, Jesus. You're the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation, prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. You're the son of the living God. You're, you're the chosen one. And Peter had revelation of the truth. He had revelation of Jesus' true identity. He knew who Jesus was. And I love Jesus' response. It's really interesting because what he does then is he speaks into Peter's life and he calls out the God-given truth over Peter. Peter speaks about Jesus and then Jesus calls it out about Peter. He says, you, Peter, are ROC. You're the rock and I will build my church upon you. 
upon your truth, upon the, and the gates of hell will not prevail and, and you will access to heaven and it's all its resources. It's like Jesus was saying to Peter, you've recognised my identity, Peter. So let me now tell you yours. You see, our identity doesn't start with who we are. It starts with who Jesus is. Now, this is an incredible insight into the heart of Jesus and God and the promises of who Peter is, this truth, this destiny, this identity of Peter. How cool. This guy, Peter, must have, must have been pretty special. This guy, Peter, was obviously good enough for Jesus. Well, let's just jump forward and look at what happens a little bit later in Peter's life. Now, remember, Peter's spoken out his identity. He's spoken out who he is, Jesus has, over Peter's life. But let's look at later on when Peter, James and John went with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray just before Jesus is arrested. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here and pr- while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he, Jesus, fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them asleep because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Peter, the rock, the one who Jesus spoke incredible life and identity over, keeps falling asleep when Jesus wants him to keep watch. It's such a significant moment. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, Jesus says, to the point of death. That's pretty, pretty important. Stay here and keep watch. And yet this, this rock, this one who God says he will be, will be significant as a part of building God's church, couldn't even stay awake. I wonder how Peter felt immediately after that when Jesus was arrested and he was taken away. And just moments earlier, Peter was falling asleep. You see, the last interaction with Jesus before he's arrested is that he's too tired. I wonder if in that moment, Peter felt unworthy. I wonder whether Peter felt not good enough. I'm sure he didn't feel like the rock that Jesus spoke over him earlier. That's one example. But even earlier than this, after the Last Supper, this same guy, Peter, and the other disciples are in a conversation with Jesus at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus gave them this warning in Mark chapter 14. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declares, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, 
Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Now let's read ahead together in Mark chapter 14 from verse 66. Jesus has already been captured at this stage. And we read, Meanwhile, Peter is in the courtyard below and one of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself against the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then, the rooster crowed. Then the servant girl saw him standing there and she began to tell the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. And a little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you, you even know me. And he broke down and he wept. You see, this is the rock that Jesus said, I will build my church upon. Yet there was no doubt that in this moment, when, Jesus, when Peter blew it, when he didn't measure up, he felt unworthy. He didn't feel good enough. He knew that he wasn't up to it. So I wonder whether there are times where you just don't feel good enough for that job, for that opportunity, for that boy or that girl, or whether you don't feel worthy enough of God's love. You and I don't feel good enough to be who we believe God wants us to be. Or maybe you and I don't feel enough to be who God sees in us. For me, if I'm honest and transparent, there are times when I stand before you as your pastor and I don't feel enough. There are times when I come to preach and myself, I don't feel good enough. I guess today I want us all to consider what do we think about ourselves and on what do we base that view? Where does our opinion of ourselves come from? What is good enough? And when I look at Jesus and I look at who I am and I see the gap, you see, it's clear. And the Bible confirms it. You and I are not enough. I know that's a hard truth, but I want you to get this. This is a biblical truth. You and I are not enough for God. You see, alone, we'll never be good enough. First, we need to clear this up because it's super important. We aren't enough. We'll never be enough. And we weren't created to be enough. God created us to depend on Him for everything. Alone, we're sinful, wretched people, capable of doing nothing good. The prophet Isaiah says, even our best attempts are filthy rags. We can't do anything of value, you see, without Jesus. So, we're not enough. And people who teach you, oh, you are, you're good enough. 
That says that we are more important than, than what God brings into our life. This may sound horrible to you when I say you're not enough, but it's actually a blessing and it's a relief. Because when we realise that without Jesus, we're not enough, we don't have to even try to be enough because then when we ask Jesus to come and to fill that gap, God has got it covered. You see, it's God's job through Jesus to create the opportunity for us to be enough, through Jesus. It's not your job to be the perfect parent. How many parents out there have taken a big sigh of relief there? It's not. It's not your job to be the perfect parent. It's not your job to be the answer to your spouse's deepest struggles. We need to leave that stuff up to God. We need to do the best we can, of course. But perfection is not what we're called to be about. We're simply vessels for His use. We're not the answer to other people's problems. A Roman centurion knew this. He knew that he wasn't worthy of Jesus when he asked Jesus to heal his servant. Lord, he said, my young servant lies in bed, paralysed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and I know my servant will be healed. John the Baptist said, one will come, Jesus, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. You see, alone, we're not worthy, but because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus did by living a sinless life and then freely giving His life for us on that rugged cross and then overcoming and defeating death and hell to be resurrected victorious through Jesus, we are always enough. Do you capture the difference? It's not about striving. It's about receiving who Jesus is and allowing Him to work through us to make us enough. In every situation and in every circumstance, with Jesus, through Jesus, I am enough. You are enough. And the reason this is good news is that because we are never enough on our own and always enough with Jesus and God uses both our successes and our failures for His glory. Do you realise that nearly every single person mentioned in the Bible was a tragic failure? Have you ever considered that? Outside of Jesus, outside of the Trinity, nearly every single person mentioned in the Bible at some stage was a tragic failure. Let me give you a few. Noah was a drunkard. King David murdered and cheated. Jonah ran away from God. Elijah couldn't hold himself together. Paul persecuted Christians. And we know Peter denied Jesus. And the list goes on and on. You see, what we do is we focus on the good stuff of these people and the, and the good things these people were about. We focus on their successes and on their victories. And you know why? Because the Bible is written to help us to do just that. God wants us to see that, but He wants us to recognise it wasn't because of the good enoughs of people. It's the perfect reflection of exactly how God sees us. He doesn't see us as a summary of our failures, but as the successes of His mercy and His grace. Let me say that again. God doesn't see us as the summary of life's failures, but as the successes of His mercy and His grace. And the psalmist continues to remind us that God upholds us when we fail. 
like God did with each of the people that we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He uses our mistakes and our failures to teach us more about Him and more about His mercy and to encourage us and others of the way they can find themselves through Jesus, even though they feel they can never measure up. See, no one in the Bible was enough by our cultural standards. Their list would have been made much longer than the one that I made. You think about it. Moses wasn't good enough to speak. Gideon wasn't good enough as a soldier. Eve wasn't good enough as a wife or a mother. Not good enough. But God reached down to each person. He reaches out to us today. And He says, through me, through my son, you're good enough for every situation and every circumstance. And it's, it's a good thing that we aren't good enough on our own because if any of those Bible characters were good enough on their own, then we would likely have been tempted to look to them rather than looking to the cross of Calvary. See, that's why it's important that we as Christians never fall victim to push people to be good enough. The people around us will always find disappointment in me and in you and in us and in who we are and what we can offer them. But they will find everything they need when they find God and they'll find that God is enough for every situation, for every want, for every desire, for every need. Our God is enough. If we attempt to be enough for people, we'll rob them of the blessing of finding a God who is fulfilling for them, a God who is enough. See, it's only through Jesus that you are enough. In his best-selling book, The Search for Significance, Dr. Robert McGee, a professional counsellor, lecturer, author and Christian, wrote it this way. He said, Christ not only paid for our sins at one point in time, but also continues to love us and teach us day after day. We have a weapon to use against Satan as he attacks us with doubts about God's love for us. And our weapon is the fact that Christ took our punishment upon himself at Calvary. We no longer have to fear punishment for our sins because Christ paid for them all, past, present and future. When we fall short, when we feel like we're not enough, through Jesus, God says, you're enough. I see what you do, but what you do isn't who you are. Through what Jesus did on that cross of Calvary, with Him, we are enough. And even though Peter is on his knees in tears, feeling broken and unworthy after denying Jesus and Jesus is, is, is put to punishment and death on a cross and Peter's there in tears, the last thing he does with Jesus before his death is deny Him. He remembers what Jesus says about Him. He knows that Peter, with me, you're enough. You're the rock. Peter goes on to live out the destiny and the calling that God has for him. My question today is, are you living out your destiny? What's in your life right now? Where you don't feel worthy enough, where you don't feel good enough, what's stopping you? Is comparison? Is you thinking I'm not spiritual as so-and-so stopping you? Is this financial obstacle too big for you? Maybe you're feeling like you just can't do this mum and dad thing, this parenting thing right now. Maybe you don't feel educated enough for your situation. Maybe the doctor's diagnosis is telling you something. Maybe 
the opportunity for a relationship just doesn't seem like it's there and you long for a relationship. Maybe you're not feeling good enough for that job. Maybe you're wondering, am I even good enough to be used by God with my life? See, God's heart is a heart of gracious inclusivity to all. God says, I see you. God says, I know you. God says, I accept you. Here at Humeridge, we have another of our core values and we, we call that core value gracious inclusivity. And the reason we do that is because we recognise that every one of us is broken. We're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us is good enough or worthy enough or right enough. And so when people walk through the doors of the church or check out church online, you're always welcome at Hume Ridge because you're joining a whole bunch of other people who aren't good enough. We're not enough on our own. We all blow it just like Peter did. Sometimes we don't mean to, we just stuff up. But at Hume Ridge, we want to extend that same grace that Jesus extends and teaches us to live by. We're not going to be holier than thou. We, won't, we will not be a church that's judgmental like the Pharisees who wrote people off. We will recognise that we are all sinners who need a saviour. And once we give our life to Jesus, then it's done and dealt with. We can think of stuff we've done and said, and we're always going to blow it. Yet when we go to God and we say, God, will you forgive me? And he says, with me, you're enough. We read about Peter in the book of Acts and we watch how he lived his life, recognising that he was enough through Jesus. We see how he lives out his identity. He didn't dwell on his past mistakes. Peter let go of those and he lived as Jesus called him to live. So in what ways do you find yourself living by your past mistakes? In what ways is it time for you to let go of your past mistakes? In what way is it time for you to let go of that? I'm not good enough because. Who's Jesus calling you to be right now? What if it's true that you and I don't have to reach a standard that says this is what you have to be to be good enough for God? But what if it's true that the grace of God is enough? And by the grace of God, you and I are accepted by Jesus. Through Christ's love, you and I are not just enough. We're more than enough. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be good enough for God. What if it's true? You see, God sees who you are and He loves you. And He loves you just the way you are. But He loves you too much to let you stay that way. And He wants to take you by the hand and by His grace, He's got a plan and a purpose. And if you're prepared to not worry about whether you're good enough, but you just take Him by the hand, watch what He does with your life. And if that's true, then what's stopping you right now from passionately pursuing Jesus and being all God created you to be? Because you know what the good news is? You don't have to be good enough for God. You just have to be open to receiving His Son, Jesus. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you've walked a journey with God for a long time or maybe you've never asked Him into your life, I want you to understand that if you're living by your past mistakes or if you're striving to be good enough, that's not what God's asking of you. He's just asking you to walk with Him. Let's pray. Loving God, I wanna thank you for who you are.
I wanna thank you that because of Jesus, we don't have to strive to be good enough. So many of us, so many of us, so many Christians are still striving to try and be good enough. When we need to recognise that we'll never reach the standard that we need to reach on our own because we can't. And so God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the truth, the truth is received and we would know that through you and through your death on the cross and your resurrection, that you became the sacrifice for us, that you became enough for us. And we are now more than enough if we accept you and we walk with you. And I pray that word would be sealed on everyone's heart right now. We would walk in truth in Jesus' name. Amen.